What does it mean to be authentic? These days, being authentic is the reason given for everything from quitting your job and backpacking in Europe to being a real jerk and challenging anyone who calls you on it. Thankfully, there are people like Ryan Miller to provide some sanity and clarity to the conversation as he does in today's episode. Ryan is a coach who helps people discover and focus on their authentic selves, freeing them from the bondage of, their, of other people's expectations and focusing on what truly matters to themselves. Join us as Ryan shares what he's learned on his own journey to authenticity and hear how he answers five big questions here on Made to Thrive. Are you tired of just going through the motions? Do you know that there's more to life, but you aren't sure how to become all God made you to be? Are you looking for a community of people who aren't perfect either, but who want to be fully alive? This is Made to Thrive. Each week, we encourage, equip, and empower you on your journey as we interview experts and share resources to help you every step of the way. Let's thrive together. Ryan Miller, welcome to Made to Thrive. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate being here. Excited for a conversation. Yeah, me too, man. I love these uh, interviews because I have zero idea where they're going. I know how they're going to end. They're going to end with five big questions, <laughs> but I don't know where they're going. And I'm, I'm here to learn, man. As you know, with writing the book, Why Aren't Men Thriving? I'm really chasing the knowledge myself because uh, as I said to you before we started, hit, before we hit record, I would say identity and health are probably the, the two areas that I need to work on the most. And I'll say even that identity is probably the one that's the least understood to me. And I'll say probably to the people that that I, that I talk to and coach the most. So if I could put you on the spot right out of the gate, uh, give me a little bit of a, you know, a, a Webster's, a Miller's definition of uh, what identity is to you. <laughs> we, we don't want Miller's real definition of anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> that's, that's valid. Go no. ahead. Um, you know, if I had to sum, sum it up into something realistic for myself, uh, I would say it is, uh, the person that God has created me to be. And I think that is a big, big, you know, can of worms that you throw out. That's it. That's all we uh, needed. We're going to wrap it up from here. Thanks, man. (laughs) 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 Nothing more needs to be, needs to be discussed. All right. So step back for that, from that a second, then when you work with, you work with primarily with guys, right? Around identity. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working with the guys around identity. What are the problems that they're, what, that you see, maybe that you see that they don't see around them understanding what their identity is, maybe living in it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest challenges is that, so unlike me, and maybe we'll get into this later, um, it, it was a couple of massive life events that caused me to kind of call mm. into question who I was. One was I, I lost literally almost everything uh, financially uh, at one point in my life. Uh, then I was uh, involved or I was a survivor of a mass shooting in 2017. And so those were some awakening mm. moments for me. For most people, though, it's not that. And and worse off is I actually see the greatest challenge in the people that are performing at the highest levels. And and I'll Hmm. explain that for just a second. Yeah. So traditionally, you know, uh, people that are highly driven, that are motivated, that that have this desire to be great, um, what they end up doing is, is they end up looking out into the world. They end up 
um, uh, identifying strengths and characteristics in those that are already have gone ahead of them, right. That are performing Mm -hmm. well. And these are Mm -hmm. very wise things to do. And they say, okay, uh, this guy or this guy or this gal, whatever, uh, they've been successful by doing X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I am going to create those same habit and disciplines for myself. Uh, and if I do that, I'm going to be successful. Now that can be mm. a recipe for disaster for some people, but for many people that are driven, they can replicate those things and they can become extremely successful by doing things similar to somebody else that was able to be successful. Okay. The so what's prob- the problem? Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is, I get to this place in my life and this, this is, you know, I'm seeing this in people that are um, successfully making $150,000 a year to a million and a half dollars a year. Mm. They end up getting to this place where they start to feel like something is missing, but they're not Mm. exactly sure. And how that is normally seen, the symptoms are they're having to consistently set and achieve more and more goals, right? Uh, I've achieved right. my goal, another mm-hmm. one. Achieved my goal, mm-hmm. another one. And it's, it's, still not, it's still not getting them. It's, it's still not feeding them. And so what has happened is, is they end up finding themselves 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road having lived somebody else's life. Wow. Okay. But they didn't realize it through this whole journey, right? They they kind of think that they're doing their thing. Yeah, and and and, hmm. and in even in ninety five percent of uh, their journey to get to where they are, they are living their life. But if we're even one percent off, you know, th- this is like hmm. a metric that is seen um, a significant uh, uh, ramifications in something like, let's just say golf, right? Uh, if you are one percent off of that ball, it- it's not even going three feet left of where you hit it. Like it's 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 left turn out of bounds, and nobody's ever going to find the ball, right? It- it- and so that's what ends up enough happening. about me though. <laughs> me too man me let's too. not talk about my golf game right now <laughs> yeah so what, what off the tee that's a very small amount it doesn't look like much yep but out 200 yards it's yeah, just magnified it, it's, like crazy it's way off but again hmm. you know this is not somebody doesn't get there and think to themselves oh my gosh my Normally, right? This does happen sometimes, but normally this is not my life's a mess. Everything is falling apart. Uh, it's traditionally my, mine actually was. So uh, a quick uh, summation of what happened uh, to me. So my wife and I and five of our friends were in Las Vegas on October 1st, 2017 mm. in the crowd when the mass shooting happened. Mm. And one of our best friends, I was standing shoulder to shoulder with her that night. She was one of the 58 that was killed. And so devastating moment, right? But by every stretch of the imagination, um, I took about two weeks off of work. At that time, I was actually working uh, working for somebody and I went back to work. They were super gracious and just letting me kind of come back when I needed to. Day one, back in my office, Newport Beach, California, looking out the window, beautiful view, great day, cushy office, making solid six figures, benefits, stock, like all this stuff, right? I'm habitual. I'm disciplined. I was in the middle of reading Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. I mean, I just remember, right? Like all these things are fitting, like I'm dialed. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, and I actually said, what the hell are you doing with your life? Mm. And that's crazy, right? Because financially, 
reasonably well. Still a lot of room to grow, but reasonably well. At home, a beautiful wife, two kids, things were going well. I was healthy, really fit at that time. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, you know, and-, and External, measurable, I'm good. Yeah. Turns out we're not <laughs> external right. measurable, just... measurable beings. There's something that was just in the pit of me that was just, mm. I, I could, right then I couldn't figure it out, right? I, I actually, I was so surprised that I asked myself that question. Mm. And so I think that's more of what it is for people, not the tragedy, but the experience of like, why don't I feel like everything is flowing? Why don't I feel like mm. this, this is how life is supposed to be? And, and primarily the, re- the answer is because it's not. So you had built this life that looked like what success looked like for you using other people's it's, it's basically like, I want to make a cake. Somebody hands me a recipe. I keep getting cookies and I'm not really sure what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, one day you realize, right. <laughs> wait, that something's got to change. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big ones right now, right. That, so, um, you know, grind it out, grit it out. Like yeah. we hear that all the time. Everybody's got to yeah. grind. But one of the ones that's driving me nuts right in the moment, and this may date, you know, when, when this when this goes live. Sure. But, uh, one of the biggest ones right now is the highest performers have to get up early in the morning. Like you got to get up at 5 a.m. or you're never going to be successful. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many cuss words come to my mind when I think about, <laughs> you know, of that statement. Because look it. It's true. Getting up early in the morning, getting your day started right, that can be a recipe for success. You have some quiet time. Maybe your family's not up. Nobody's really working yet unless you're getting up at 5 a.m. on the West Coast and your East Coast clients are already banging on your door. Yes. But I get it. I get it. But you mean to tell me that if I'm a late riser and I'm a night owl that performs better at night, you're telling me that I can't be successful? Like that's bananas to me. Yes. And yet my wife loves that... what you're talking about. She's like, yeah, I don't want to get up. <laughs> I'm better at night when the kids are asleep. Stop bothering me about getting up at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. All right, honey. Ryan Miller has just, <laughs> he's giving you a pass. Dang it. I should have cleared this question before we. <laughs> Before don't, we show, don't let her listen. Don't worry. My wife doesn't <laughs> listen to three quarters of my podcast, so we're good. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, right. But so yeah, that that is the recipe. I, do you know wealth dynamics? You ever hear that trace to net? It's I pretty interesting stuff. He, but he talks about it's it's almost like disc for entrepreneurs. Okay. Yep. And he says until you know your type, and then when you do know your type, 87.5% of the advice that's, that's given is to other types. Mm. Why are you listening to it? It doesn't make sense for your wealth dynamic. And I love what you're saying about this too, because it's the recipe that, that makes sense for someone else. It's like, why, why are there so many uh, different diets out there? Mm-hmm. It's because results aren't typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want someone to listen to this already and say to themselves, okay, so then I've got to come up with something 100% exclusive to myself because that's absolutely not the answer either. Right? right. I mean, if I look to some of the people that I have admired, you know, for so long in my life, uh, people like Stephen Covey, um, you know, very, very, in one sense, simple foundational principles around habit and identity and forming a vision. Like, you know, we can follow those things and we should. I mean, yeah. me personally, um, I am a Christian and the Bible for me shapes 
every which way that I live my life. So I'm not saying not to look to things in order to emulate. I mean, biblically, it it says over and over again, do as I do. And so, you know, I I don't want to turn away from those things, but I just need to get people to understand that if you have shaped everything after somebody else, there's just going to come a time Mm. when you don't feel like you're getting all of you. Yep. Do you see that? So I wonder if it's more pernicious to have a midlife crisis and like actually like mess some, you know, not, not irreparably, but like have a really like head to head with life or that quiet desperation that Thoreau talked about. Like I wonder which one's worse or, or, or better because Sometimes then you get to the point, you know, like uh, Bronnie Ware's top five regrets of the dying where people are getting to, they're like, man, I spent my whole life. Like, I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm just a little puzzled. <laughs> like, what, what was I doing? I feel like there's almost an advantage to the midlife crisis guy. Cause you at least feel like, all right, I was a real idiot for like six months. I realize now that I need some help. I, I feel like most people have kind of figured out a way to kind of just either like dampen it or ignore it or just or like, yeah, I guess it's just how everybody lives. I don't know what you see on your, on your end of things. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, definitely, you know, it, it's harder to convince the guys that are 95% nailing it, that they need to, you know, that there's more out there for mm-hmm. them. Um, it's, it's hard to get those people, um, you know, out of their seat to make a decision to do something different. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a far more difficult place to be because again, I mean, if any of us was to say your business is 95% nailing it, um, your health, your, you know, your diet is 95% on track. Back, right, you know, right. I'll take it all day long. Like right? there, there, there's absolutely no reason why I wouldn't sign up, yes. and I'll pay a lot of money yes. for it. But yes. um, I would, I would never wish travesty, devastation on anybody in order to get them to wake up. So there's this mm. part of me that is, and it's actually been part of my struggle in delivering my, we'll call it quote unquote, offer to the community is. Yeah. I don't necessarily have some big provocative thing, you know, to, to, to unseat these guys from a seven figure a year, happy life, happy wife living, right? It's hard to do that. But when people start to see, I've put all this effort, I've put all this energy, I'm killing it. Things are feeling really good. If I can do 1% more, I mean, that, that's the difference between a minor league baseball player and mm-hmm. Mike Trout playing center field for the Angels at the top of his game. Right. Like, that's what we really want. Like, why are we settling for, you know, Jim Collins, right? Good is the enemy of great. It's like, why, why, why are we settling for something less than what we have been created for? And I love that you say this too. And even that, that you brought up Jim Collins because good, the, the book from good to great, awesome book that if you, especially if you go back and look at the companies that he profiles tells the story about how good to great needs to be a continual process because like circuit cities in there. <laughs> you got a couple yeah, of like, yeah. I don't really kind of, but thinking about, because there's a point where you think you've arrived and again, going into those measurable parts, but our journey of identity and of, self-discovery or, or discovery of, of God in our identity. Like 
that can really be a lifelong story, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, because, uh, you know, so on one hand, there's, there's this part of me that's, that absolutely believes who we were created to be before we were known is the same person that we will be when we die, right? There, there's a piece of that like eternal identity that's in mm. us. But at the same time, and this is more of uh, how it works itself out uh, outwardly, um, it changes with the, like one of the exercises that I have all of my clients go through either one-to-one or, or in a group environment is identifying prioritizing and reflecting on the roles that they have been called to live. Because Mm. again, you know, um, my identity, though my identity is not husband or father, the fact that I am a husband as a father influences not only who I am, but how I live far differently than as a single guy. And not one is better than the other. It's just different. And so we have to capture each of those things. A lot of people will take, um, uh, you know, they have this heart to be an entrepreneur. They've been successful in business. They go out and start their own and they see just epic disaster. And it's because they've tried to put the same things to practice uh, as the COO, as, Mm. you know, as they do as the owner of the startup and it just doesn't work. So you got to be really careful to understand that though identity in one sense sustains time, um, just how it works itself out and how we're going to see it is going to be an ever, ever evolving process. That's so interesting. So the role you're called to play at the at the moment or in the season, that can change, even though maybe your your underlying, you know, kind of maybe eternal or you know, spirit-based identity remains the same. So that's that's a lot of the you need to be attuned to that when you're going through this process, right? Of of maybe I'm approaching a season change, or you know, obviously the family ones are are easy one to look at because the kids keep changing, <laughs> even if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, so we start with this, um, what I say is foundation. So the foundation of who you are. And inside of that is uh, what I believe my purpose is, Hmm. what my deepest passions are, and what my principles are, right? Those non-negotiable principles. So we start there. But again, how immediately do those things change when I take on a wife? You know, right. I mean, right. um, you know, I, before I was married, um, you know, maybe some of my other family, but I, I was all about me, right? And providing yeah. for me. And so every decision yeah. I made had me in mind. And uh, even early on in my marriage, it was that way. But, you know, once, once I matured, <laughs> we <worked> through it. <laughs> yeah. You know, then I began to realize that my purpose actually changes the passions inside of me, why I get out of bed every single day, those Mm. change. And even some of my non-negotiable principles change over a period of time Mm. before I came to faith, after coming to faith, like those things change. So there's a lot that does change though. Still the core of who I am, you know, may remain. That's great. Can you give an example of maybe, and maybe, maybe you're kind of starting to touch on it already, but I'm thinking about maybe somebody you've worked with before where you're, where they're kind of going from good to great, like a decision somebody makes with, you know, with that 95% operational and then a decision where they make same person and and maybe they're even surprising themselves with this, but a decision they're making uh, where they're really fully integrated. 
Yeah. So uh, it's been an interesting season with uh, one specific client uh, that I have in mind. So I've been working with him for a couple of years now. When we started working together, one of the most successful guys I'd ever worked with at the life stage he was in, um, it was almost all about work in terms of that's how he measured his days. You know, if I, sure. I crushed it, I'm happy, blah, 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 blah. He had a girlfriend, um, uh, it, it deeply loved his mom and, and close family, but that, that was how everything was measured, right? So good day was, um, you know, work-related, bad day was work-related, um, mm. even though he wasn't absent at home or anything like that. So we worked through that for a period of time and trying to help him perform and perform efficiently and focus on that. But the more we began building the relationship together, I started to recognize that he was allowing those things to dictate something that meant far more to him, which was mm. his family. And so I started pressing into that with him. Okay, so you tell me your girlfriend, your mom uh, are, are the most important things in your life to you, and yet you're allowing your job to imp impose on those experiences because you've had a bad day or because your boss was an a-hole or something like that. Mm, so, mm. so that started this, this mindset shift to finally where I got him to the place where I was like, look it, I'm done with hearing about the goals that you're setting. I want you to start thinking about what freedom would be for you. I, I want you to start thinking about you actually running your own life. What, what mm. would that look like? And we started to define in the different areas of his life what that would look like. Interestingly enough, he went too far and I let him go too far to the place where he felt like he was now underperforming and he kind of was, but I had to let him <laughs> yeah. go there because yeah. if not, he wasn't going to feel that tension. And so now here we are two years later and he is dictating his own life, obviously within the parameters of responsibility to his now wife, uh, to the rest of his family, to the business he owns, to the other endeavors that he has. He still has responsibility, right? He can't just be flippant about everything. But 95% of the time when we talk, 90% of the time when we talk, he just loves his life, even when things are ebbing and flowing all over the place. Mm. So it was this massive transformation. Now he's wanting to hustle and work hard because it gives him more freedom instead mm, of it giving okay. him more pressure to do more. Right, so it's just right. been fascinating to see. It's so interesting. I like that too, because a lot of people will continue working really hard because they're still trying to prop up their identity, which is results-based yep. and not because they love the life that it gives, that it leads them or that it gives their family or anything else like that. There it's, I need to keep all the different cards up on this house I've created. And it's all, based on, on work or results. Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, like and, and, and there's this, um, overdone demonization of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. you know, definitely that's really bad, right? Like the, the, the big pitch that attracts more guys than anything right now is you can drive a Ferrari, live in a mansion and have a trophy wife. And so that's why people buy courses. And that's why guys are buying into so right. much crap, which I hate that, but there's this over demonization of it too, which I'm trying to help people. And I'm having a struggle with how I'm communicating it, but I'm mm. trying to help people to see that if again, and, and we don't necessarily have to agree on this foundation per se, but if you don't believe that you have been created with a very specific purpose in life, then what are you even doing? And if that purpose 
ends up being some level of greatness that involves $50 million in the bank and a helicopter and a mansion and like whatever that is, if that is what God has intended for you, not that because not because those things are good in and of themselves, but because those are a demonstration of all that he's created you for, I want you to pursue them. I don't want to work with a slacker that just wants to sit and think to themselves, I'm just content being me. Like mm-hmm. if that, it's just like a, a, a settling thing that I don't think we need to settle. And so right. pursue that, work hard, never give up, strive, live for those things uh, or, or live to achieve those things. But only, only if those things help to support the person that you are in the life that mm-hmm. you've been called to live. So as an expression of it, not as a result. Right. To then backdoor your way into some identity as the person who owns a Ferrari and yes. so on. Yep. Yeah. That's so interesting because you get to, it gets to intention, right? It gets it gets to, you know, why you're doing these things that you're doing. And maybe pausing for a second and I don't know, have you asked yourself this question before? <laughs> you know, why are you doing this and this and this to to you know be so busy or you know to try to, to achieve all these different things? If, is it because I, I, I think it was Alex Kendrick who they created the, like the courageous movies, war room and all that stuff. Mm. I remember say one time, you, everything you do is either from approval or for approval. Mm. And I see that in a lot of people of I'll get to this, then I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a game you'll never win. <laughs> Yeah, because there's always going to be another then. There's always mm-hmm. going to be another level. I mean, it's just, it, it's a never ending hamster wheel. And that, 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 that never, you just never hear of anybody that's completely happy like that, right? They may be uh, fulfilling a specific call in, in one area of their life, but mm-hmm. everything else is a disaster. Right. And so, I think ultimately we're all after, um, again, it's like, it's a soft word, but it's like, we all want to be happy and Hmm. we need to define that for ourselves. If driving down uh, the coast in your Ferrari makes you really, really happy, then great. You know, if, if living off the grid in a tent in the middle of the forest makes you happy, then do that, you know, but Mm -hmm. we're just, we're, we're not going there because again, for those that have been built with this sense of, I, I I'm here to accomplish, which is a great, great thing uh, to have. Then we're, we're just, we're going after all, all or none all the time. You know, it's just like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep getting better. Um, I, I was just on another call right before this actually, uh, in a mastermind that I'm a part of. And, um, I listened to this one guy talk about the fact that right now business is super crazy. He's coming out of a very difficult season. He's very happy with where it is, but it's creating so much busyness, right. To the, where mm. it's straining his, um, uh, relationship with his wife, his relationship with his kids. Um, he's just having a hard time, not able to like have a lot of fun. And I'm hearing everybody trying to fix the mechanical side of hire someone to yes. help you. Fix, yes. And I'm like, yes, do that. But I said, I have to insert this one thing. Can you, in this season of life, just recognize moments of joy that you're having? You don't like, yes, we want more time with our kids. Sure. But if I can only have seven minutes a night and my heart is in the right place, because this is the season that I'm in then man, take every bit of seven minutes of joy that you've got. Mm-hmm. And again, I just don't think we're, we're framing 
yeah, the, the things that we're seeing and doing in the right manner all the time. So those are just the things that I'm seeing more and more often happen. And, and again, it's more for men, maybe it's just because I'm around them more, but it's more so for men because we have been called to be providers, to be protectors, to lead. And, and, it, and it causes us to take out a lot of responsibility and to go and do what all these other great leaders have done. But our leadership is just going to be far different than, than the next guy. Where, because you started by defining faith as, as knowing who created you, that you were created on purpose, for purpose. The journey to identity, does the journey to identity have to include faith? Ha <laughs> um, So uh, if you were to ask me, you know, my own personal belief, I absolutely think so, because I believe that apart from an understanding of who God is, I think mm -hmm. there will always be this question as to who I am. Um, mm. um, uh, the book of Ephesians is a great example of the apostle Paul really just communicating to these people who they are in Christ, all the blessings, all that's been done for you. I, I feel like if you, if, if you don't capture that, I do feel like, and this is hard for me to say because I know it can be very hurtful or hard for other people to hear, but I just feel like you're missing out on the significant piece of, of why you're here. Um, what, if I can capture that, and I work with both Christians and non-Christians sure. when I sure. do this. But yeah, and, and I ask that because I wrestle with this question. That's, this is 100% the yeah. whole ethos of Made to Thrive is. I don't know either. Let's go. Let's yeah. ask today's interviewer. Interview. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I say to every single one of my clients, we don't have to agree that Jesus is the son of God and that the God of the Bible is the God of this universe. But if we can't agree that we're here for a purpose, then we can't work together, right? That has to be the yep. start. Yep. Now, when I do, because again, I just happen to attract a lot of people that are similar to me and just kind of the way of thinking, and it's because they follow my content and they like what I sure. say and right, yep. kind of they lean in. If we're there, if we're there, then all of a sudden, again, because then it's not just about identity, then it becomes this understanding of what it does mean. And again, things I'm still learning, but how to be content, how to find joy, even in the midst of trial, how to understand that everything that happens around me is for a reason. Like as a mm -hmm. business owner, I have no fear talking to anybody at any time about anything, because if those people have been brought to me by God for a moment of a conversation or for a lifelong relationship, then I'm crazy to not give it a shot. So, yeah. you yeah. know, it just, it opens up so many more doors. I believe when, when we come from that place of an understanding of who God is. Um, so, you know, Again, personally, I'm 100% about it. There's no question in my mind. Um, where I try to help people start from is different because we're just coming from different places. Like sure. I won't water down my message, uh, but I definitely want to help them, you know, start where they're at. Right. Yeah. And they can, yeah, they can create their own story to identity yep. through that process. Because I just think about, you know, if you, if you think about identity as being attached to a purpose, I think about, you know, the especially in, in different cultures or a long time ago, there was this real like handing down from a generation to a generation to give you like, you've got that stamp of approval, almost that identity, you know, which we see still sometimes. Uh, and then, you know, that, that becomes something that, 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 
probably a kid at the time, even though he's considered a man that could run with. And I don't, I just don't see that very much now, even in Christianity, but I would say, you know, just much at all, at least in America, this, I'm going to bestow this identity upon you. And this is something you can actually build your life on mm-hmm. instead of it's a lot of shoulds and coulds, <laughs> you know, and, and unspoken, you know, vicarious living. Yep. Yep. For sure. All right. So we're going to jump into five big questions. Uh, five big questions in, in this particular interview are being tailored to the book, uh, Why Aren't Men Thriving, uh, which uh, we continue to just get the best minds we can find on this stuff. So I, I thank you, Ryan, for being able to pitch in here. This is really helpful, hopefully to the listener, but also to be able to uh, to be able to get some of this content for the book. But I want to ask in particular to start, why don't more men thrive in this area of identity? Ooh, it's a massive question. So um, fear of being vulnerable hmm. um, and uh, shame of past experience and a lack of true community of other men around them that are after similar a similar lifestyle. Yeah. And I wonder about that fear part too. It, could there be a fear of finding out who they really are and not liking it? Like it, it's oh. almost like this, right? Like this weird thing of like, I'm kind of good with the facade I'm projecting. <laughs> like, yeah. what if, what if I don't like what I find when I dig deeper? Yeah. Or, or even again, like I'm making seven figures and you mean to tell me that you want me to change my life? Like, what if I lose everything that I've worked so hard for? And that's, yeah. that's real, right? That's yeah. real, yeah. real hard. And, and, and yet be comfortable in your own skin, which is what you're offering people, which is, yep. Yep. That's, What's crazy that's is, more is rare in that one issue. What I've found every single time I've worked with somebody for more than about six months and we're working through this process when I work one-to-one is uh, they end up more financially successful than they were when I started hmm. with them, though we don't spend that much time on that because they're really leaning into the best of who they can be professionally. That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, when, weren't, when weren't you thriving in this area? Uh, when for you was, were you just not, not in your identity? Um, so up, uh, up until I came to faith in 2006, um, I was, uh, living as just about everybody else, but myself though. I really didn't recognize it. Um, I did at times, you know, trying to be something I wasn't in high school and early on in my twenties and I got married young. And, um, so there was definitely some challenge there, but I think even now, um, as much as I preach authenticity, which is kind of my thing is be authentic. And I'm trying to help other people do the same thing. I think that every time that I start to become afraid of some big failure, um, I back myself into this corner of, well, maybe I should just do something different. Maybe I should just try this marketing tactic to launch my course instead of doing what I believe in. And so I think, again, it's just, you know, when when I get into that fight or flight, I think it's easy to find myself in that place again. Hmm. Okay, good. But you're, you're working on being self-aware so you can catch that sooner. Every then. moment of every day. And literally <laughs> like that, that is good. no joke. Like my good. wife hears it so much. My kids hear it so much because that's the only way to truly know, you know, like nobody is with us more than us. And so we have to learn how to read ourselves for who we are. That's good. 
Uh, okay, so maybe this is that maybe that's a segue to the next uh, question of there's that keeps you thriving, but then what does it look like to thrive in identity? And maybe that's where you're seeing somebody that you've worked with or just that you've been able to experience. So I just, um, uh, I've been in this amazing season, celebrated 20 years of marriage uh, mm. in March of 2021 after nice. nearly getting divorced in August of 2006. Mm. Um, so this crazy uh, just life of marriage that's gotten to the place it is. So I celebrated that. Uh, my wife and I went on this great trip and then we just ended up coming back from another trip celebrating her birthday just recently. And what she and I ended up experiencing together was both of us sitting in this place and talking to each other about the fact that we have never before felt more joy. Now, that doesn't mean that our life is always joyful or joyous, right? We all, we've sure. all come out of this really difficult season, 2020 and the pandemic, and I took some big financial hits. And, and yet, because I'm just being me and I'm helping her and she's helping me to be me and I'm helping her to be her and our family, like, I, I just feel like I, I, I am, this is it for me, like <laughs> as a person. Now, yeah. accomplishment, yeah. I hope there's far more, sure. but- I just, I get, I just say and do what I want. And I feel like those are the right things to say and do. And I can see the bad things coming and I've got freedom of schedule for the most part. And money is starting to finally become less and less important in a good way of mm -hmm. we have more of it than we need. And so it's just like, it, it's amazing. Like I've never, ever in my life felt the way I have felt. And I have had some great seasons of life. I just have never quite felt like this. And it was mm. awesome to hear her not only affirm those things in me, but seeing those things in herself too. That is, that's, that's the real gift is when you're able to, to give or help someone else uncover their own uh, identity. That's great, yes. man. Yeah. That's good. Um, tools, resources, strategies you recommend. Uh, you talked about kind of like that self-awareness thing, which is awesome. It's a great tool for Am I doing me right? <laughs> but uh, maybe other things that, you know, were, were part of your journey or things you recommend. Yeah, I, I cannot stress enough the importance of the first thing I kind of talked about around foundation. So we work for organizations. We've probably all gone through mission, vision, values exercises. But when was the last time that you sat down and articulated for yourself Mm -hmm. your purpose, your passion, yeah. and your principles. So I yeah. think that's an extremely important place to start. There's a lot of great resources out there. I can give you my own, but there's a lot there to help with that. So I think that's an extremely important place to start. And then second to that, which I, I think we're in a great season of this right now in just the world of, um, I don't know, coaching and training and whatever. But I believe that creating the right habits and disciplines to reflect me is so critically important right mm. now. I think that if we're doing the right things, we don't need to worry about what we're trying to achieve. It will that's naturally right. produce. So that's I think great. that's really important too. I love that. And I think about that too with routines is I'm making the decision outside of the emotion of the moment that's coming mm -hmm. to do the right thing. And then I can build off of that. Uh, yep. It's almost like that, that pregame routine for life. Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's really good. Making the decision that's, that's congruent with your identity before you get to that moment where you've got to make the decision. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, Cause then I'm it helps a lot. Goes, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that goes a lot more smoothly. 
Um, all right. So what encouragement do you have for men to thrive in this area? Because I, I, what I think about this is that you go back to the guy who's like 95% on it. It takes work to get to 96 or, you know, up to 100% and be fully authentic. Why, why do it? Like what, what's, what's in it for them selfishly? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that gosh, you just teeing me up to get in a lot of trouble, but this is your podcast. So whatever. That's correct. Uh, Um, I think that we are in a place in society where we are seeing what happens when men don't thrive. Hmm. We have destroyed the definition of manhood, both by way of toxic masculinity that was years Mm. ago, even though people are still bringing it up now, and this now complete distortion of manhood that we see today, uh, where it can kind of be anything you want it to be. And so I think that this world is dependent on men standing up to be the men that they were created to Mm. be, to be the protector. We should be called to stand up for the least of these. We are called to protect those in need. We are called to stand before our families and our friends, not as macho jerks, but really to be there, right? To be that line of defense. We're also called to be providers. And as much as that's financial provision and really being out there to work hard and provide in our homes, The other definition there is to make ourselves available for. And I think that as Mm. men, we have withdrawn, whether it's for being tired or exhausted or overworked or frustrated or whatever else, we have just like stepped back and just are watching as just destruction is happening everywhere. Mm. And if we were just to lean in and make ourselves available to be part of the discussion, to be part of rebuilding everything that's been broken, whether it's in our home or again, in our country or beyond. I I just think there's so much opportunity there. Like who, especially as a high performer, who does not want to leave a legacy or make an impact? Mm -hmm. Every one of us does. And could you imagine what it would feel like after you've died to look back and listen to one person tell you that they changed your heart or talk about you Mm -hmm. without you there saying Mm -hmm. you changed their whole life. That's what we're after. And I feel like that doesn't necessarily come by way of building an empire, though it may. I think it comes by getting in so tightly into that lane of being the man that we were created to be that we just end up impacting more than we ever thought possible. That's awesome. And even what you used to your point about, um, being able to work closely and, and help your wife, you know, just as you're authentic, mm. that gives her permission to be authentic. I, I think a lot of people bump up and well, if I'm this, then that means that others won't be able to that. And I think that the, the dynamics so skewed and so far off of when I'm more fully me, I'm giving other people permission to be more fully them. And that's a virtuous cycle not a vicious cycle of tearing down. Right. Oh, I mean, it's fascinating to me. So I, I've kind of just personally coined this be, this term, be authentic. It's on my hat right now. And, um, and I wear it on clothes and I talk about it a lot. And that, that word and those words have been around forever, bastardized up, down, left, right, and sideways. Sure. But, um, but it's so interesting to me when I am in circles of other people that know me, 
people are constantly referencing their desire to be authentic because they hear me talking about being authentic. Like, again, I mean, yep. I'm 43. This term has yep. existed long before I was around and I'm not <laughs> giving right. myself credit. All I'm trying right. to say is because people are seeing me bear it all and man, like, Life is good right now and it's still brutal. And you'll see me go on social media and cry or just share just the, from the pit of my soul how bad something hurts or how bad my heart aches for something or what's happened to me. And so I just want to give people permission to be them. Like, again, the world says, come as you are and we'll accept you as you are. That's not true. That's not what really happens. Not even a little bit. But if we can get into circles of people that are truly encouraging that, like come as you are, but I want you to become the best version of you. And I mm -hmm. want to help you do that by just opening up and being yourself, admitting your faults, sharing with your, what your dreams are. Like, let's do this together. And I just right. don't think there's enough of that. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you too, because you can see it when, when I'm authentic and I'm living in and comfortable in my own skin. I don't have to impress other people. I can accept people as they are. Right. I'm, I'm kind of a nicer guy to be around, oh. which means you draw more people to you who want to say, man, what do you, what do you have this, this thing that I can't really put my finger on? Why is it that I feel differently around you than I do? And, and that starts with you feeling differently around yourself <laughs> than you do around other people too. Just being okay with being you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how good does it feel to just know that everybody sees you for who you are? Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. Fear. It's exhausting, man, to do that. It is. To go the other route. Like, all right, which facade am I, do I have today? I, I get yep. this. Who am I around? This different, this group thinks this. And then the work that I have to keep that propped up is Ugh. sucking time, energy, resources away from areas that actually need it. Like my I mean, I, family. I lost almost every dollar, our home to short sale, every toy mm -hmm. we had purchased so much because of that very thing. Mm -hmm. I was so conditioned early on in my career to work hard to, at that time, making six figures was like a lot of money 20 something years sure. ago, but like, you know, work hard, make a lot of money, have a bunch of stuff, enjoy it all. And I came from nothing by the way. So it was like, that just looked like glory to me. Right. And, and when we would experience hard times, I just kept that up. Even like I got caught up in gambling for a period of time. Mm. And in order to keep up being one of the guys, I just kept gambling more and more and more. Not like it didn't it work. Was, Oh my gosh. Right. And so <laughs> I destroyed, I destroyed, yeah. like I'm still repairing. We're eight years removed from that. We yeah. haven't even bought another home yet. Like I'm still repairing things that I destroyed that my family paid for because yeah. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And so it's just, it, it's the worst. It is the worst, most miserable place to be. I would rather have you be a miserable human being as you are than trying to fake being the most amazing person yeah. in the world. Yeah. Because at least you have a starting point of Absolutely. authenticity. You can, so you can own it and move forward from there. I, I, I tell you what, because I think there's so much about this that is, it, I, I don't know if how much, you know, from educational psychology, but personal fable is something that strikes most middle school kids and personal fable is everyone around me is looking at me, which is kind of funny if you think it out, because then that's what everyone else is thinking too. The personal <laughs> fable lasts long beyond 
middle school mm. where you're thinking like there's like, I don't know, one handful, maybe two handfuls of people who actually give a rip about you and they're your wife and your kids and they want the real you. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, like, it's not as grand a, a picture as a, you know, this big movement or what, but it's the starting point of an amazing transformation into just being okay with being you not slaying dragons, like just being able to be yourself and truly yourself around your family, around those people, the people who love you the most, man, that frees you up to start going and slay dragons. If that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so Instead of just thinking that that's what I got to do. So right. So right. That's awesome. All right, man. We're approaching the uh, three commute level uh, for people on their, on their drive. <laughs> so it's about, yeah, I just feel like people need to mow the lawns more now. So get <laughs> the pace, gang. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode, you just got to stop, mow your lawn more frequently. I'll, but we'll be with you on these long form <laughs> interviews. But uh, but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate being on here because it's been a blast just to be able to talk shop about one of the hardest parts of our lives to pin down is, you know, reading that owner's manual and figuring out like, what, what is this, what is this all about? And, and how do I know if I'm doing, but I love that, that, that quiet voice, you know, of just, I'm, you know, I've got this internally where I feel like I'm good with me. Um, and it's usually, you know, you hit the lights right before bed. It's an unplanned silence, which we're really bad at, but man, there's nothing more fulfilling. I'm like, man, I'm closer than I ever have been to actually being me and being okay with being me. Mm. Yeah. It's a tall stinking task, but I love that you're working with people through it, Ryan. I really appreciate you digging in on this with us today. Yeah, no, I, pre- I appreciate the invitation. And as you can tell, I get passionate about it. And just, <laughs> it's, it. It's an exciting thing to talk about and something that we all get to be on together. You know, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. You too. Thanks again to Ryan Miller for joining us on today's episode. You can uh, go to the show notes of today's episode at madetothrive.coach slash 051 to check out the resources that we discuss on the show and uh, really just uh, appreciate what the perspective that Ryan brings to this idea of being authentic. Uh, and uh, you can learn more about him and his work and connect with him uh, on that page as well. Uh, and I really just encourage you to kind of continue to take a deep dive on that. We've, we have this kind of rotating, recurring themes of the seven core areas of Made to Thrive. And identity just is inextricably a a really big one. And one I think that we disregard a lot, uh, oftentimes because we don't realize how much it affects us, uh, our view of ourselves and how that bleeds in a a lot of other things that we do. Uh, So, But definitely check out uh, Ryan and uh, what he's doing there. You can also just go to madetothrive.coach. And uh, check out the uh, the resources page, which is also known as Equipped, and be able to see resources that we've referred to, uh, other people's courses, things like that. Uh, that are there on that page. Uh, if you have questions about uh, how to move forward in your uh, identity and how to be more authentic, make sure you, you reach out to Ryan at RyanJamesMiller.com. Looking forward to talking next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, thriving in our finances and with a different perspective on money uh, with uh, our friend Lance Belene. Really, really good conversation coming up next week. And we look forward to talking to you then. Thanks for listening to Made to Thrive. Check out madetothrive.coach for resources and coaching to help you thrive in every area of your life. And get your free assessment at amithriving.com. Talk to you soon.